Chapter 7 The infirmary wing granted to Yarmouth had a glorious view of the upper city. Through a high bank of windows, the Thran tempo shone down over every apparatus. Minute images of Rebecca and her workers were cast down in tiny rainbows of refracted light throughout the room. They swam slowly across the backs of the 24 clustered observers, across the bent neck of Yarmouth, and across the agonized face of Glaceon. Bad enough you murder me tissue by tissue, Glaceon growled as Yarmouth gingerly peeled another layer of skin from a large lesion on the man's stomach. But to me, do it all with public sanction. You see these layers here? Yarmouth asked the observers who craned to see. In the past months, he had convinced them of the reality of the disease. See, even an organ as seemingly simple as skin has differentiated layers. Different tissues for different functions. The body is an organism. That is, a thing composed of organs. Each has a distinct role. Disease and dysfunction are not a matter of magic, but a breakdown of one or more organs. Yamath returned to the lesion, peeling back flesh. Do you see how the thysis has different effects in the different levels? There's a similar theory about magic these days, said a young man. Zod was a hero in the traditional sense, trained to apply arcane power to mundane diseases. He was a precocious, talkative, and, to Yamath's mind, blithely wrong. A few folk are saying you could separate magic into the components, each performing a different function. It's like one of these little bits of rainbow floating across the room. Red, green, blue. They say mana is made up of colors, some for healing, some for destroying. But what does any of that have to do with the disease? Yalmoth asked testily. You've seen how magical healing only accelerates the thysis. Zod's shoulders slumped. Just a comparison. I mean, nobody really believes magic has colors. It's just a wild theory. You're talking about how the thysis has different effects on different tissues. And I was thinking how they say different colors have different effects and are blocked by different things. Would you shut up about... Yalmoth began. His scalpel quivered in his hand, flayed skin adhering to it. A new light entered his. What was that about being blocked? Shrugging sheepishly, the man said, Just more crackpot ideas. No. Tell me. Well, you know, they say iron blocks some magic and silver other magic, and gold other. It's basically the five great metals. More nonsense. Yamoth stared for an abstracted moment at the scalpel he held and the blackened tissue that adhered to it. The flesh turned translucent as it lay on the blade. He set the scalpel down on a small side table. Just nonsense, Zod repeated. That's what they thought of me a few years ago. Yamoth lurched up from his seat. The observers were doing his volcanic motions and fell back from him, giving room. Yalmoth strode from the table where Glaceon laid, reached the implement cabinet, and drew drawers violently open. He rummaged among the knives and clamps and saws, plucking some out and setting them atop the cabinet. What are you doing? Zod asked. There's not enough rust on any of these, Yalmoth growled. He looked up with a sudden inspiration. The iron rail on the balcony. Go, take a knife and plate and take some rust off. Me? Zod asked. You're the one who gave me the idea. And the rest of you, dig in your pockets. I need silver and gold and copper. Three coins of each. Dumbfounded, the other reservists reached reluctantly into their row pockets while the young hero darted out the door to gather rust. Come on, come on, Yamoth urged. Don't be cheap. This is a cure we're concocting here. The youth on the balcony gave a shout. Something's happening out here. A riot. Untouchables rioting. The crowd of observers pressed toward the door. Yamoth waited past them, impatient. He reached the door and saw it. Riot cloth untouchable swarmed the streets. Even as he watched, 
A prisoner clubbed a woman in the head. She went down, blood spreading across the stone road. Two other citizens ran, only to have untouchable swarm like a dog pack, ripping off their floating robes, and pile on top of them. Rocks shattered windows. Fires leapt up across rooftops. Screams came from bashed doors. Zod vomited on the balcony. Scrape that rust, Yamoth demanded. Our work is more important. The infirmary has guards. The city has guards. This is their concern. Ours is a cure. Protests began from the delegates. Yalmoth silenced them, pointing violently over their heads. Look. Look at the skin under those rags. Do you see that thysis? That's why they are rioting. The Halcyte Guard can fight them back today. But we have the only weapon that could stop these revolts forever. Now scrape the rust. Gix laughed. He'd torn this iron rod from a grate in the sewer. Arya had killed five people. Now six. Now seven. The little jag of metal at the end of the rod made a nice claw for ripping open backs. These citizens were soft. Beneath their finery, they came apart like white cavefish. Now eight. For all the ruthless oppression of soldiers, for all Glaceon's brutal words and Yalmoth's brutal deeds, the other Halcytes were no more formidable than ripe grates. Now nine. Gix ran up the steep, sloping street. Twenty untouchables followed him. Gix smashed a house window. Through it, he screamed a challenge of animal fury. Another untouchable flung a half-full rain barrel into the same house. They rounded the corner. The homeowner was spilling, half-dressed and furious. Out his front door. Gix charged him. The man gaped for a moment. Eyes and mouth formed circles of surprise. He clutched his disheveled robes and dived back towards his door. Modesty cost him his life. Gix's iron rod sank into the man's back. There was a flash of memory. Yalmoth and his scalpels, patiently and tediously cutting. This was no careful surgery. Gix yanked. The man lurched but did not go down, clinging to the doorpost. Two untouchables grappled his arm and pried them loose. Gix yanked again. The man fell. An invader on each arm. Gix stepped back. A bald head struck a tile step and seemed an egg with a red yolk. Now ten. A shout came from above. Soldiers. The Halcyte Guard. They wore white and bore blunt-ended polearms. There was no need of fiercer weapons in sedate Halcyon. Helmets and face masks were painted steel with gold gilt. Gleaming shoulder pieces, breastplates, and thigh plates were sewn on the white regalia. Bug-like behind their staring masks, the Halcyte Guard were clothed to scare off opponents, not engage them. Gix was a little impressed. They looked like noble boys in fencing gear. Fear, not fury, lurked in those masked eyes. Gix knew what lurked in the eyes. He screamed a charge. The untouchables surged up behind him. Twenty fanatics against ten guards. A polearm arced towards Gix. He paused to let the staff sweep by. He gripped it and hauled hard. The soldier toppled. Gix's rod descended. Now eleven. Now twelve. Thirteen. Another band of untouchables welled up a nearby street. Gix greeted them with a bloody smile. Smoke rolled to the sky. Bodies littered the cobbles. Their leader, a burly brute, shouted gleefully, What's next, Master Gix? What's next? Gix's grin deepened. He jabbed a finger upward. To the heights, my friend! We'll tear down the very heights! Yalmoth and four observers stood behind the barred south door of the infirmary. Yalmoth wore his travel clothes and his belt of swords, though he handed four of them to the men and women standing behind, the fifth and largest he kept for himself. Get ready to defend the door. Do not bar it until I return. Zod protested. You expect us to kill? I expect you to die if you don't, Yalmoth said simply. Without another word, he heaved the bar from its brackets, swung the door open, 
and strode into the chaotic street. Untouchable bands loped up the hill like shabby wolf packs. They stepped over or on the dead citizens who lay there. One man glimpsed Yarmouth and charged him. The rider hurled a spiked boar toward his head. Yarmouth casually batted away, noted the absence of legions on the man, and took his head off with a quick swipe. As the rebel tumbled in two bloody halves at his feet, Yarmouth clucked. Not a good candidate. He left up the street for a better one. He spotted a scrawny man covered with lesions and too little clothing to hide. The wretch figured stoop above a houseite woman who wept over her dead husband. The untouchable's intent was clear. Perfect. Yalmoth strode through the stream of rebels, killing any who attacked him. He wrapped a muscled arm around the scrawny man's neck and hauled him into the air. Though the untouchable kicked and screamed, he couldn't break free. Yalmoth's sword carved a path back toward the infirmary, and his prisoner provided a shield before him. Yalmoth arrived before a trembling crew. Two rebels lay dead just outside the door. They had been dragged that far, their heads painting crimson paths across the threshold. Zod's sword tip was crimson. They tried to break in. All I could think of was, what if they reached Glaceon? Excellent work, Yalmoth said simply, as he strode through the door and started up the stairs. Close it and bar it again, he ascended. The rebel kicks were slowing. He was blocking out. Yalmoth had been careful not to break the man's neck or crush his windpipe. He needed a subject who was, aside from Thysis, relatively healthy. Reaching the experiment chamber, Yalmoth flung back the door and declared, I have a subject. Is the mixture ready? Healers looked up from a small iron pan, wisp of steam coming from a watery concoction. No sign of the metal fragments. They are dissolved. The liquid had cleared up and thinned, but it's still hot. It will cool enough when you decan it. Draw up two bladders of it. One for the test subject, and one for the genius. Yalmoth ordered as he flung the now unconscious rebel onto a table. The man laid on his back and sprawled on the cold wood. Zod and his three comrades entered the room. Yalmoth ordered, You four, hold down his limbs. He'll probably wake up once the injection is given. Don't let him get away. Fevered determination showed in Zod's face. No, we won't let him get away. Yalmoth gestured toward the others. Bring up one of the antidote bladders, and someone draw another bladder from the vial of poison there on the windowsill. An observer approached and handed a needle-tipped bladder to Yalmoth. Here's the first of the antidote bladders. Yalmoth then took the item, feeling the warmth of the serum through the leathery walls that encased it. He probed for a vein in the man's neck, found it, inserted the needle, and slowly squeezed the contents of the bladder into it. Soon the bag was empty, and Yalmoth drew the needle forth. Look at that, Zod declared, nodding toward the lesions on the man's belly. The black spots were visibly receding. It looked as though something within the skin picked away each blemish, particle by particle. In moments, the spots were only pink puckered sores. The black rot was gone. It's happening everywhere. Shoulders, face, legs. Resistance. We are bolstering the patient's resistance. The metal particles suspended in the serum block magical energies across the spectrum. It is these magical energies that are causing tissue breakdown. The serum blocks those, at least while it remains in the blood and allows tissue to begin healing. A cure! Zod shouted. I created a cure, Yalmoth corrected. A cure based on your inspiration and my ridiculous notions about disease. A few observers even muttered that they had not thought his methods ridiculous or even odd. Besides, it is not a cure, only a treatment to fight back the disease, temporarily. We shall see how long these effects last. All attention shifted to the patient. His eyes rolled open. The scrawny rebel looked around fearfully. He struggled to get up, but Zod and his comrades held him down. Where am I? What are you doing? The man shrieked. 
You're in the Halcyon Infirmary, Yama said levelly, and what I am doing is healing you. Healing me? Why would you heal me? Yalmoth shrugged, motioning toward the woman who'd drawn up the bladder of poison. She approached. He took it from her. Healing you wasn't just an incidental occurrence of the riots. It wasn't anything personal, just like the rape and murder you perpetrated. Nothing personal, just an incidental occurrence. The man gabbled. Well, I'm glad you think so. And now, for your crimes, I revoke the life I gave you. With none of his previous gentility, Yalmoth sank the needle into the man and squeezed. Immediately, the patient convulsed, buckling on the tabletop. Zod and the others held on tightly, making sure he did not escape. The fight was brief. The man slumped. His breath left a long gurgle. Then he was utterly still. Most of the observers backed away in dread. Even three of the four who held his limbs let go and recoiled. Only Zod clung on, determination and terror mixing in him. Yamoth snorted. Let's see about treating our genius. While the genius of Halcyon was infused with an antidote for his disease, the rest of Halcyon was infused with destruction and death. Untouchables ruled the streets. The Halcyon guard fought hopelessly against overwhelming numbers. Many of them lay dead. Here and there, bodies burned. Everywhere, buildings burned. The city that stood impregnable for 200 years was now under siege from within. Those who had for so long shut death away from themselves now were immersed in it. From the sewers, scabrous and violent and hideous monsters had emerged. They rose in a reeking tide up the eight terraces. They slew any they encountered. Only in that last instant of life could the Halcyde see the eyes of their killers and know these were not monsters. These were humans. These were Thran.